Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful for the faithful. I'm Peoples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here today with Bruce Mercury. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing today? Good, good, good. I was doing a little bit better a little, not so long ago, Bruce, when the Oilers had a three-goal lead and then a two-goal lead and then another two-goal lead. And this team has got some defensive issues, Bruce. They just cannot, they cannot hold down a lead. They can score all right, but man, they are, they're hurting on defense. They, uh, anyway, they lost uh, 6-5 in overtime to the Avalanche of Colorado. Um, rough game to lose that way, but that's them's the breaks. This is our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. Bruce, what is your good thing? No, yeah, I'm going to go with Oilers penalty killing. It gave them a chance in this game. Uh, uh, the Oilers came into this game shorthanded with only 19 skaters when Evander Kane came up with an upper body injury. They were already missing. Uh, they were already missing um, uh, Clem Costin, who was sick, and he's still sick. So they called up Devin Shore, but then Evander Kane went down and out, and that was that. So they were uh, um, uh, shorthanded, and the refs must have gone, oh, where's are shorthanded? I know how to deal with that. Let's make them shorthanded. And so they started calling a series of penalties against the Oilers, four in a row to, in the first period, two right in a row to Warren Fogle, who had otherwise a very strong game. And uh, they were able to kill those off. Then there was a third one with like 2.01 to go in the first period. Uh, no, 18 minutes flat, it was called. Exactly two minutes to go. So they had to kill that off to get out of the first period with the one nothing lead. And then they killed... Uh, you had a fourth penalty in the first half of the second period. And so Colorado had four power plays uh, in the part of the game where they had zero goals. And only after Edmonton started staying out of the penalty box did the goals start flying into the net left and right. Oilers lost this game at even strength. And, I mean, I think all the goals on both teams came at even strength because, of course, Edmonton had one power play the entire game. Because uh, they were, after all, playing the Colorado Lady Bings that have led the league five years in a row for fewest penalties. And so it was today. Uh, anyways, uh, the penalty kill got the job done. Campbell made some saves, but uh, I thought Ryan McLeod had an outstanding um, number of shifts on the, on the PK. He was really flying around, getting a stick in good spots, making good clearances or short passes to teammates in position to clear it, breaking things up. Uh, Matthias Janmark led the team in uh, at least the forwards in penalty kill ice time and kept a clean sheet and he had an excellent game in all aspects today uh, so uh, shout out to that unit for uh, getting their part of the job done yeah there was we only charted one five alarm chance on the power play against the Oilers and a lot of the great A shots I think we maybe charted four. A lot of them were kind of outside one-timers, which are, right. which do go in usually, you know, Sometimes, 20, at least, yeah. you know, 20% plus mm-hmm. of the time. But um, yeah, a lot of the grade A's they got were at the lesser end of the percentage scale, like closer right. to 20% shots than, than um, 
you know, a five alarm shot is 33% plus, and they only got one of those. So right. that was, they did they did a good job. I thought um, there was lots of individual performances from the owners tonight that were that were very strong, you know, Warren Fogle and Philip Brobury, um, Cody Cece with a couple of great pinches, Leon Dreisettle had his best game in a long time, um, and some great physical play from Dreisettle, mashing uh, Joss Madsen and, and, and JT Comfer in different, in different plays. So there was lots of good Bruce. Mm-hmm. And um, several I'm great just, defensive plays from Dry Settle in this game as well. Yeah, he he was fine in this game. Um, there Very was with the stick. The best sequence of the Oilers, I thought, they come out um, early in the second period, and they have a they have a shift that lasts almost a full minute in the Colorado zone. And I counted eighteen different players uh, touched the puck in this sequence. Eighteen different Oilers, and it was. Uh, they were able to get a full line shift uh, while this was going on. So they started with Nuge and Dry and Hyman, and they end up with McLeod, Fogel, and I'm not sure who was the third forward out there at the end. And they get they they start out with uh, Barry and Kulak, and by the end it's Cece and Nurse out there. So they they shift off everybody, and they just yep. they just are putting the boots to Colorado. And I, and there was there was no less than three one battles. Hard physical battles that the Oilers won in this sequence. So it had some good puck protection and some good passing. But Kulak, Nugent Hopkins, and Nurse, Nurse just before he makes a uh, the pass, he wins. He really does a hard puck protect to keep hold of the puck, and and win the puck essentially in a in a 50-50 encounter. And then he he shakes off the player and makes an absolutely gorgeous pass. It was it, in some ways it was one of Darnell Nurse's finest offensive moves that I've seen him make, and something that he should think about a little bit more. Because he's often able to take the puck fast down the ice, up the ice. And when he gets there, he kind of, he still doesn't know what to do. Well, just puck protecting behind the net might be a good idea. And that's what he did on this shift. He just did a fantastic job before uh, threading the puck to Warren Fogel, who who comes in and scores a beauty of a goal, just slams it home. That was a fantastic, uh, virtuous cycle. And ended up with uh, the Oilers' second goal of the game, and uh, they looked like they were. You never like with the Oilers, like now, like they were up three nothing, right? It's the most dangerous lead in in hockey. Not for at long, least, they weren't. At least if you're the Edmonton Oilers, not for anybody else in particular. But the Oilers, they just between their goaltending and their defensive play, they just can't, and their decision making, they can't shut it down. And they're just unable to do so. Let's get into our bad things then, Bruce. What is your... 57 seconds, David. It was how long the three-goal lead lasted. Very Basically, very next shift. I couldn't consolidate that three-goal lead for even a minute. And it was a tough... That was a tough goal against, right? Like, it's like no fewer than... You know, Nathan McKinnon kind of cups cuts up into the high slot and takes a shot. It, it, there was like five players screening Jack Campbell and it seemed to go through pretty much all of them, each and every one of them. And, Com- and it didn't hit any of them. Comfort got credit for it. Now I see. Oh, that. he did. He must have changed it. So he must have touched yeah. it. But uh, three Oilers were doing a very good job of screening their own goalie and not of blocking the shooting lane, apparently. So anyway, it, uh... <sighs> what's your bad thing, Bruce? Yeah, well, there's lots to choose from. I mean, the the five three after the disputed icing, the five four where Campbell had the puck seemingly frozen for several seconds, and the whistle happy refs decided that that wasn't 
a whistle and then Campbell anyway. I didn't like how he played it in the end. Uh, but I'm going to go with the tying and winning goals because they both occurred on an old favorite of mine, David. Defensive zone face-offs. And the first one was uh, Derek Ryan. At least he, at least it wasn't quite a clean loss. It took the guy sort of two swipes to pull it back to the point, and then he passed it into the middle. And the guy fired a shot from outside. That was uh, uh, Comfer again. And Lekkonen, uh was right in front of Nurse, who got... Uh, um, the puck tipped off of uh, Lekkonen's stick, off of Nurse's shin pad. It bounced off of that, off the post and in, like just a perfect bounce for uh, for Colorado. But the fact remains, they lost the draw, and Nurse did not tie up the guy's stick in front of the net that got a piece of the puck. <sighs> so that probably took, what, five, six seconds after the draw, maybe seven, not much more than that. Uh, and then in overtime, uh, they had a sequence where... Uh, Jack Campbell made like it seemed like four goal line saves in a row off of McKinnon, who got around McDavid and burst in uh, alone on net. And uh, uh, he, I think one of the shots may have hit the post, and Campbell might have stopped the other three and finally pulled it out with his glove on the goal line. And so, with after. Going with different forwards in the overtime, like uh, uh, Woodcroft went with uh, McDavid and Nugent Hopkins, then Drysaddle and Hyman. They got McLeod out there for a shift, but he had Drysaddle and McDavid out for a shift with about 120 to go. And that shift ended with that play on net, 40 seconds to go. And these are his two face-off men, and now they're both on the bench. No timeout called. And frankly, I question that a little bit. Uh, you know that Colorado's guys are resting on the bench too, but no timeout call. And Ryan Nugent Hopkins is sent out there to take the face off, who's 0 for 2 on the afternoon and a noted uh, poor performer in the face off circle. And sure enough, he got cleaned up on the on the dot by J.D. Comfer. Colorado got possession. There may have, I need to watch this play again. There may have been a pick play in there. Uh, and Ranton goes around, uh, gets wide on Nurse. Campbell challenges him. He goes wide and he roofs him. It's a great play by by Ranton. But it all again came off of D-zone, face-off, loss, bam, shot, puck in the net. Two more today. Is that like five this week? Is it like a thousand this season? Like when the hell is I going to do something about this problem? Like it's a serious problem. Like easily many, double digits of goals over the course of the season off of lost face-offs in your own end. And those are supposedly the plays where if you lose the draw, all your guys are in position. It shouldn't be too much of a problem. But for Edmonton Oilers, big, big adjective problem. The last three season Nugent Hopkins face-off percentage has been 45.6, 40.7, and 44.8. His career average is 44.2. I, I think that's a coaching error, Bruce. Yep, I um, do too. You 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 Put do not have your there at that point. You know. Yeah, you don't have your forty percent face-off guy out for a critical face-off like that. You just you don't. Yeah. Yeah. Now there was a very clever pick play. Twice Nurse got picked off um, by the guy, and and they were clearly using the screen. You know that that was a set play. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, where they're where they're or at least they're looking for it. They're they're trained to look for that play. 
And I noticed it earlier in the uh, over time as well. Too. Yeah, the owners never do that pick play. You know, the owners want to just you know make the the pretty passes. This is more of the uh, cerebral style of scoring a goal, and it really worked because Nick Nurse got picked off on that play. He 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 in avoiding the the body of the Colorado uh, player who was picking him, Rantanen got around him. He wouldn't have got around Nurse otherwise. And um, Rantanen then. He's, he's slicing hard across the slot. It's a very, very difficult play for the goalie, and and Ranton and puts it in. Like, he's an ace goal scorer, and he, and he did it. They, they were lucky to get that far, though. I mean, the, the McKinnon play, they had four four, mm. four goal line stops, which each one of them was kind of a miracle. And um, Bought him an extra five seconds, David. It, it did, Bruce. I thought it would get him to the shootout, but it didn't even do that. Yeah, I love it when the Oilers score on the Californian, which is a point shot that finds its way in. And the Oilers did get a goal that way um, uh, earlier in the game. They, uh, I think it was their fifth goal, actually, was the Californian, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the Barry four. shot? Yeah, the Barry shot. That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was a beautiful pa- uh, stop and pass by uh, De- uh, Devin Shore. Yes. And Derek Ryan was in front of the net, and, and uh, Barry put that mm-hmm. in. Hey, that works. It's a great play if you can execute it, but it, and it's tough to see it against you. But they did execute it themselves, Colorado, Colorado. There, Bruce. My bad thing is the third goal. The orders are up four-two heading into the third period. What you got to do is get through the first couple minutes. You know, those first two minutes of the period, there's just so just crucial. Like these, these are big moments in the game. This is known to everyone in hockey. Ken Droid. Ken Dryden wrote about it with great eloquence in his book, The Game, how, you know, the, the Montreal had these two guys, Doug Jarvis and Bob Ganey, they could send out there who would shut things down. This is a missing element on the Oilers, although I do think that they have those players. I think Matthias Janmark would be a good good pick to be out there um, at that time of the ice. Maybe Yessa Pugliarvi, um, who's an underrated defensive player. Apparently has a low hockey IQ. Well, what I see is a, a guy who has a high defensive hockey IQ and is very responsible. They like going with their bigger guns um, at all times, essentially. The Oilers, that's their strategy, go with the big guns. And, um, you know, I'm not sure when they need a goal, yeah. But when you're trying to protect the lead, I would, I, I'm not, a, I think they should go in a different direction. Anyway, this play is FUBAR, Bruce. And it starts, as you, as you point out, there's a contested icing call. So it ends up in, in Edmonton's end. And, what that means is Colorado sends out its top line and, and the Oilers have Tyson Berry out there with, with um, Kulak. And they don't want that matchup. But what they do, Bruce, is they force they force a line change. Cody Cece heads out on the ice. We're lucky it wasn't too many men on the ice, frankly. They shoot, the Oilers shoot the puck out. They get it out high out of their end and, and Tyson Berry goes. In, and you think it's going to go to the other end, but it doesn't because the Colorado player knocks it down at his own blue line. And inexplicably, I think for no good reason, Tyson Berry shifts off. It's not the right moment to do it. And because of that, it suddenly is wide open on the attack for the Avs. I think if the if Berry stays out there, this play doesn't happen. It just totally distorts the Oilers because suddenly Kulak and, and Nugent Hopkins, to fill the spot where that defenseman was, was going to be, they move up into the play and abandon their positions. And suddenly, who's shooting down the wing on the other side where Kulak should be is Nathan McKinnon. And he unleashes unleashes a shot, a, a hard shot, but Jack Campbell should have that shot. Now it may have been. I thought I heard a, a tick 
from Brett Kulak's stick as he's reaching to stop that that shot that may have uh, deflected that shot. But still, Campbell seems somewhat out of position because there's no one coming down the other way and there's no pass for McKinnon to make. If he's reading the play, there's just one play, him to shoot. So you don't give him that, you don't give him the short uh, side. The short oh. side. And, and that short side was wide open. So even if there was a tick, he probably should have had it. I mean, Campbell's play on the on the uh, the goal, the, the uh, fourth goal too, where he should have had his, I don't know, like he, it was just clumsy where he didn't, he couldn't freeze that puck against the post, couldn't figure it away. I thought the refs, you know, a whistle would have been nice um, in that sequence. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it was, when you look at it again, you can see the puck the whole, whole time, but it is frozen, but you can it's see under it. His but it's, 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 it's under his pad. It's under his pad. Flap of his pad down by his toe, but that apparently yeah. isn't frozen. Wouldn't have been crazy trons to call a, a whistle there. It would have been normal NHL play, but they leave it there and the guy just starts hacking away. Five and seconds later, in. yeah. It was there a long time. It was very there a hell of a lot longer than it was in Campbell's glove when he tried to move it in overtime. They blew the whistle right quick that time. Yeah. You know. Now we get a quick whistle. These are those little tiny things, but they all sure seem to stack up one way in these last little while. And, I'm pretty grumpy about it, as you can probably tell. But uh, well, I, Bruce, I was Edmonton about didn't to get many calls in this game either, and that's. Uh, I can tell you're grumpy. I was about to change my number to uh, size per minute, heavy mm-hmm. size per minute for Bruce, from Bruce in this podcast. Oh. <laughs> oh man, it has been a, it's been a rough spell for the Oilers, man. They, and you just knew if they went to the shootout, they were going to lose too. So. Oh. They just can't score. Like they can't score in in the OT. Maybe maybe Nurse maybe not have Nurse out there. I don't know. Like I I'd let, you know Bouchard. I thought had a pretty good game, but he was the culp- he was one of the culprits when they did get the four shots right on the goal line. He he got beat by McKinnon down that on that rush there too. So I don't know. I don't have any answers. Numbers. What's your number? Okay, we're there now, are we? Uh, there now, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'll go with 13. Uh, that's the number of goals Edmonton Oilers scored this week in three games, and they weren't able to win a single game with 13 goals, four, four, and five. And it was never enough to win a game uh, because they gave up four, four with two shootout losses and six. And so 14 is the other number, 14 goals against. And I mean, the shootout losses will just fold in there. But the the sad fact is that four goals should be more than enough to win a game in the NHL. Three should be enough. For Oilers, the magic number has been four. But not this week. And there was just too many, too many, uh, in the last two games, same thing. It was 4-2 after the second period. And both times they gave in a, a bit of a softy in the first two minutes of the third, and that was game on. Uh, and I guess the Lafreniere goal on Friday wasn't so much a softy as it was just a culmination of some weak defensive play by Edmonton. Uh, and the one today, like that McKinnon shot, like, just come on, make a frickin' save. Like, Jack Campbell, like, he played all three of these games. He got all those goals in support, and he couldn't win one of those games? And it's... Uh, you know, pull the it's not all on him. I mean, the defense yeah. is, defense has got some pretty serious issues. And I tell you what, they sure missed Vincent DeHarnay this week. 
They sure have. But he's been too sick to play, I understand. Well, so yeah, maybe... no, lots of guys sick, and they were hanging on for dear life the last two games, and that probably had something to do with it. Uh, but in the end, they couldn't. I mean, they hung on for their one point. And you'd like to think out of three games, you'd get the extra point, at least one out of three. Like, is that too much to ask? And then you have a plus week. But nope, three out of three, all lost. Eight out of eight, eight in a row now. That's sort of a bonus number. 31 minutes and 37 seconds of three on three or even four on three for the Oilers hockey without a goal for this potent uh, highest scoring team in the league with, uh, you know, with a great past overtime record and they just can't get it done. And I just don't get it. I don't get it. Why can't they put the puck in the net? Three on three, like 30 minutes is an eternity. Three on three. Do they have any good chances? They didn't have any five alarm chances in overtime, not one. Drysaddle and McDavid each had a grade A shot mm-hmm. in overtime. Bursting in and trying to do it on their own. You know, Bruce, I just, you know, this isn't my number, but I'm going to sneak in an, an extra number. Sure. I do that all so, the time. Shore, and, Shore played 730 and Puliyarvi played 18, 815. This is not a tired team with ridden with the flu. Those guys had actually were playing well. Shore was playing very well when he was out there. And can't they find, you know, some extra, just, just, one more shift the period for each of those guys and wouldn't that help a little bit you know yes. yeah and this whole thing about riding the the stars all the time they're not great defensive hockey players is the honest to god truth about mcdavid and Drysidle. and i i can see when you're down a goal um obviously you go with those guys i mean it's just but maybe to start and end the period you go to ryan mcleod warren fogel and matthias janmark and you say Listen, guys, we're we're getting we have a problem on this team. In these key moments, we're um, not coming through defensively, and we we've, we've been going. And this is the part you don't say out loud: is our, our big guys who we've been counting on. We we really can't count on them. Um, they're just they're exhausted as much as anything, I think, and we're asking too much of them. Is the truth, and this isn't their specialty, but this will this can be your specialty. This is what you can do to help us get the playoffs and win in the playoffs is become our shutdown line. And I think these, I think those, Matthias Janmark is the best defensive forward I've seen on the Oilers in a long time. And um, Warren Fogle is a rugged customer. He's a decent defensive hockey player. I don't see him make glaring errors. He's not like a Zach Cassian out there. He's willing to, I think he's even willing to block shots. And Ryan McLeod is fast. He's big. And if you say your job is to play defense, I think he can do that. So I think I've actually, this is, I brought this up earlier earlier in the year. I'm bringing it up again. And I think it's the way to go because um, I think this is one of the issues is players who are too tired and players who are being used outside of their specialty. Um, it's just not their mindset. You put out McDavid and and these other guys, they they're going to try to score a goal. That's what they do. And um, I just think get those defensive specialists, get that line. And if you get that line, that could be huge for the Edmonton Oilers because then you 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 put that line out there, you start to heart match them against one of their top line or the top line of the other team when you can. And suddenly you got those two other lines with all those great players against lesser lines. And um, maybe the coach doesn't feel he can trust 
those players in that role. Maybe it would upset the apple cart on the team. Like these players expect to be out there in the last minute of the game in the last minute of the third of, of the first minute of the first, first of every period. Maybe you just started off starting the games with that line and ending each period with that line. You don't, but um, anyway, that's what I would like to see. My number, Bruce, is um, in, the, in the last 10 games, Bruce, the Oilers have four wins, one loss in, uh, one loss in regulation, and five loser points from overtime and shootout losses. Five loser points in 10 games. And Bruce, we were complaining earlier this year about the lack of loser points on the Oilers. Mm-hmm. We have been rewarded. We have been we have been given an abundance of loser points. So they, mm-hmm. you know, the hockey guards have shut us up, and um, well, it's raining <laughs> loser points. It's rain. It is raining. We have a bounty of loser points. My complaint has been more <laughs> in the lack of three point games. That in the long run, the strategy is best to play three point games. But with the assumption being that you win one of them once in a damn while. If you lose them all, you're going nowhere. It's the same as win one, lose one. But if you win one, lose one in overtime, you get three points instead of two. But if you go into overtime, you just go lose one, lose one, lose one, lose one, lose one, lose one. You're going nowhere. And I, I'm just baffled at how this team with this manpower can lose eight in a row. I it just I, 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 I can't explain it. I can't even get the words out of my mouth how inexplicable it is to me. It is, it is surprising. I I don't have any. Uh, I mean, we'd have to look at the overtimes to see who's who's getting the most grade A shots. We could do that, right? We you know we have the mm-hmm. we could actually break down and see are the orders actually this year as compared to other years just not getting those grade A shots in overtime. Are they not manufacturing enough? Is there a big change in the differential, or is this just bad luck? Because it just could it could also just be bad luck. It could be an anomaly. Mm-hmm. Um, my sense is that that the opposition teams are playing smarter in overtime there here's 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 two things that i noticed the colorado avalanche and other teams doing in overtime that the Oilers don't do the the other teams do pick plays and they scored they scored on a pick play in the winning goal but more than mm-hmm. that the other teams when they have possession in the offensive end and nothing's there and they need a line change or they need to just regroup or they just want to kill some time they take the puck back into their own zone the Oilers are so low through that as a strategy they, they, you know, they'll try to make a play and they often turn it over because of that. When, when they, all you have to do in some ways, you could just shoot it down the ice back to Jack Campbell. Like no. that could be your play. You could mm-hmm. just, you're in a puck battle. I can't, I'm going to lose this puck battle. Hammer the puck down to your own end and Jack Campbell will go get it. And then you can get a line change. The orders never do that kind of smart play because they're, again, these, these are just the best offensive players in the world and they're used to creating something out of nothing. And that's what they're trying to do again and again and again. Well, maybe try to create something out of 50% of something instead of out of nothing, which is what you can do if you regroup and get organized and go on the attack, maybe suck somebody in. But uh, those are two kind of trends that I see other teams doing that the Mm -hmm. orders aren't doing. So this is a matter of strategy, uh, tactics, and the orders are getting outcoached and outplayed in overtime because of it to some extent. Yeah, well, here's one. I mean, I've seen t- other goalies come out of their net on icings to play the puck so that they have possession of the puck. I mean, who needs the face-off? I mean, maybe there's an advantage if the other team's line has been out there for a long time and you can get them tired. 
But if the lines are relatively fresh, I'd rather have a puck than an offensive zone faceoff. And in fact, that did happen in, in overtime today uh, when this was during the McDavid and Drysaddle shift in the sort of the last minute, more or less. And Colorado iced the puck and it came like two feet away from the goal crease and Campbell let it go over the goal line for icing. And I'm thinking, just go out there and pass the puck off to one of your three teammates. And, you know, I don't mind if Nurse and, uh, or whoever it was and McDavid and Drysdale have to carry it 200 feet. In fact, I kind of like that. Gives them lots of room to, to shake their way free. But uh, uh, so that's just a little minor strategic thing. And in general, you don't see fa- as many face-offs in overtime because, I mean, there's fewer offsides. But you also see goalies moving the puck more when it's in their glove or you do this, see this icing prevention play uh, just to keep the play alive. If you've got it, uh, live play is fine because you can if you've got it, you can make your change and the other team can't typically. But uh, that's just a little, little detail that uh, uh, I thought that one play today, Campbell kind of muffed it to tell the truth. And, that's a really astute observation. Yeah. I, I never thought of that, Bruce, but that's that's really smart. And what could they what they could do is make a study, like assign mm-hmm. an assistant coach, one of their assistant coaches. Jacob Woodcroft is a one of the, very one of the smart. Mahi brothers might be able to handle it in his spare time. Yeah, we could do it. I mean, well, we we can't do it. We don't have access to all the video of the most successful teams in yeah. overtime. But just start to look who's having some success and see if they're doing some tactical things that are that are different. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I I, re, I think uh, Jeff Merrick mentioned that uh, Jay Woodcroft is a huge fan of hardcore history. You know, that series talk, constantly talks about small tactics, which were uh, difference makers in, in deci- you know, decisive moments in battles. And um, no surprise that Woodcroft is a fan of that show, which if you don't <laughs> listen to podcasts is, is the world's best podcast. But this is, this is something that he's got to do is put his mind to it, put his team's mind to it. What are we doing wrong in overtime and start to adhere to it? You know, we, we're not... We do. We still do tend to see long shifts. You know, shifts that go over a minute. There's still uh, McDavid. Is, he he had one today. I think Drysaddle got off. But they're still they still like to stay out that extra time instead of keeping it fresh, keeping it fast. I think that's another tactical thing, which is an error that um, they that, that we continue to see in overtime. So there's probably like four or five or six things, and if you add them all up, maybe out of those eight loser points, maybe you get two or three of them makes that big a difference yeah you know it's got at least one i think probably your observation on the pick plays is something that they should study a little bit because that you know on a three-on-three situation that's everything yeah pick for, you like know, you give a guy a little bit of opening like that if he's mick ranton and the game is over well we got to well, mcdavid how- and leon drysaddle who should be able to end that game too if you can pick off the guy that's trying to check him and Zach Hyman could do it. He's a smart hockey player. Like these, like the owners have smart. Evander Kane is a smart hockey player. Hyman is Yamabono is. There's not a shortage of players with great offensive guile on the Edmonton Oilers. It's just a matter of looking for that and making that the play instead of always trying to beat them with your your finesse. I think the owners are trying to like their their skill is higher than anyone else's, and they're trying to beat them with that high skill every single overtime. And the other teams are just playing it conservative, and they're not going to let that happen. Uh, they're just going to, you know, pack their own in front of the net with three guys and and not not overcommit on the attack, generally speaking. So that's how you handle the orders in overtime. And hold and it's the working. puck when you get it. And hold the puck when you get it. Skate it back to your zone two or three times. You know, and then that, you know, then the, that wears out 
the Oilers. They got to skate a little bit more. And every little bit of skating you do gets you a little bit more tired, even if it's not hard skating. So, <sighs> all right. <laughs> uh, that was a tough one, Bruce. There's, there's been a lot of t- any ten you give up a three goal lead, and this this is against the Rangers. Two games in, the in two, a row. Two games two that you left to win. Yeah. Four two going into the third. Can't hold either lead. You know, that's just uh, not good enough. If you hear some yelling in the background, there's my son has eight teenage guys over right now. So there may be some noise. All right. (laughs) I think there's eight. Feels like it. All right, Bruce. (laughs) Thanks for talking tonight. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.